And we are live for the 24th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, Luz, Luigi, and tonight it's the crew. It's G, it's Alex, it's Andrew. What's up, fellas? What's up? <laughs> no, no and this is that awkward moment where no one wants to break the ice to no, open the show. That no was really good. Say, no one wants to say what's up to me. What the hell is going no. on? I don't really like you that much. Yeah. And that's our show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. Shit, man. Um, you know, last day of February, as we're recording this, um, that means the last month without regular season baseball, and also it means that Bryce Harper finally signed a contract somewhere. And guess what? It's not with the Yankees. Big surprise. Um, so we should just start. We should just get right into that. Uh, Bryce Harper signs the biggest free agent deal in the history of team sports. Thirteen years. Three hundred thirty million, no opt out. Um, I think he's going to be getting paid like twenty six million for most of the years, and like twenty two million the last few years. Um, you know, thirteen years is a long damn time. Like that's, I, I wanted Bryce Harper as much as the next guy, right? But <laughs> thirteen years, that's that's somehow. I mean, guys, what what were your reactions to this as as the news broke today? I wasn't surprised that it was the Phillies. Like I, th- I thought it was either going to be the Phillies or the Dodgers, um, but I didn't actually think he would get that. He didn't. He wouldn't get um, as much money as he did. I thought he would end up having to settle for a shorter term deal. Um, but the fa- just the contract in general, the thirteen years, three thirty with no opt outs at all, I just think is a terrible business decision for both sides. Um, just because if that deal turns out to be a bust, they are the Phillies are stuck with Harper for years, and Harper is stuck in Philly for 13 years. Here, yeah. Here's the thing that he was going at, though. He, the Boris quote was that he wanted to stay in one city for the rest of his career, build a brand, build an identity, and convince fellow free agents in the future to come play with him. Um, so for him, I, I don't think it was ever about making the most money every single year. It was just about, this is the amount of money I need for the rest of my life. I want to stay in one team, one city, and not have to worry about it. W- to me, what's most surprising is I think it was John Morosi mentioned that the Dodgers offer was, if I remember correctly, four years at $45 million per year. Like That's an outrageous four, number to turn Four years, down. $168 million. Yeah, so, so like I get it's an NBA contract. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you can play seven, eight years with with that, you know, so the first four years at that much money, and then you get free agency at age thirty. You only have to get three or four more years after that to match what he makes now. But again, I think he just wanted to have the security of playing for the rest of his career in one city. And the NL is probably going to get the, the DH in a few years, so he could probably just ride the DH role the back years of that contract. See, no, that like that all makes sense. It's just the amount of risk that's behind it is just it's so much because it's 13 years with no no tr- or uh, no opt outs, full trade, full no trade. You know, yeah. he's, he's stuck there. <laughs> And this is for a guy that, you know, I, I think Harper, his best years are ahead of him. But, I mean, look, he's only hit more than 40 home runs one time 
You know, it's not like he's put together three or four like MVP cows. He's only hit more than 30 twice. Yeah, he's kind of had that like that one season 2015 where he was awesome. I mean, he had a 460 on base percentage and 42 home runs. Those are phenomenal numbers. But I mean, look, man, he like last year, like you look at his numbers last year, you know, his, his OBP was under 400, like just under 400. He had exactly 100 RBIs. I mean, that doesn't scream to you biggest contract in MLB history, you know, like coming off a year like that. Yeah, we talked about this like in our own group chats in terms of Harper. Like, you know, he's not, you know, maybe he hasn't hit as many home runs as we thought he was. You know, we we were hearing about him when he was like an 18-year-old stud in high school, like all that stuff. Like, you know, he still got on base. I think you could say generally speaking, he hasn't always had great protection, you know, in terms of people in the lineup with him. But, I mean, if there was like other than Yankee Stadium, old ballpark, that would be favorable for him to play in. It's definitely Philadelphia. Um, and I think the thing that was probably most surprising to me, or maybe just for all of us, was the 13 years but no opt-outs. Like, because, you know, it's off-season's gone on for whatever it is, four or five months at this point. Like, we're hearing the same few teams over and over again. It's just the fact that, you know, every time a contract like this is signed, right? Giancarlo or, you know, Machado, there's always an opt out and they always have a chance to be like, I'm going to re-up and, you know, and the average annual value is going to be higher. And I guess he's, this is his one contract, right? That's what he wanted and that's what he got. So Right. Well, but that's what I, I bring it all back to what, what Boris said about him. I don't think he's thinking about maximizing his earning potential in the way that those other guys are to him. It was just, I want to get a contract that will literally lock me up in one city with one team in one ballpark that I hit really well in for the rest of my career. And I don't want to have to worry about it. So I, I get it. See, but like even, even still, wouldn't you want to have some type of security where if say it doesn't work out, he doesn't like playing in Philly. Wouldn't you want to opt out just in case? So I that- mean, he's, he's, he's a marquee player. One of, one of the faces of the entire league. I if know, he I'm, wants to I'm force saying- his hand to get out, he can get out. I'm saying for him personally, you know, because he, I mean, with the full no trade, he can kind of, if the Phillies do decide to trade him, he can control where he goes. Um, But it's still, it's, it's weird to me that there was, you know, I get the whole, he wants to stay in one city and build, you know, like his own type of thing. But just in the case that he wants some type of security. Well, I I think that's why it took so long. I mean, Philly's ownership met with him twice in Vegas. And uh, I mean, he really took his time. I I don't think, you know, in hindsight, the amount of time it took him to sign, I don't think was about him just, you know, spitting on offers, not getting enough money. I think he really wanted to, you know, meticulously make this decision based on where he was most comfortable with and have the full peace of mind with his decision now and knowing that he won't, you know, need to opt out or change his mind down the road. I yeah. think, um, well, one of the national writers, I can't remember who it was, like, but it was tweeted something, something to the effect of like, you know, you never think you're going to break up on your wedding day. So like, I think, you know, he's all in for it now and he's, you know, he likes the idea of one city and, you know, you know, planting his flag and building a brand and all that sort of stuff. Like, but I mean, you saw with Giancarlo, like he had an opt out after six years, so it's a little different. The circumstances were different because the Marlins, you know, were tearing it all down. But like, you know, I mean, 
it was a similar size contract. So there's precedent for a contract like that being moved. And if the circumstances come to that, you know, he's a really good player and, you know, if they need to, then they'll move it. Yeah. Um, it, I just, I could not believe the 13 year contract. I mean, I just wanted to kind of talk about this for a little. I, I don't think I, like the NBA, even though their contracts on these NBA contracts are just seem like ridiculous guys are getting paid almost 40 million a year in some cases. At least there's no like 10, 12, 13 year contract. That shouldn't be a thing. Like, I, I don't know. There should be a cap on the, the amount of years the contract should be. Because, I mean, a 13 year deal, it's just they're, most guys, even the marquee players, most won't even have 13 year careers a lot of the time. So, I mean, you're giving a guy a, a 13 year deal. If, if, look, Harper could be bad in three, four years, then you're stuck with a guy for a decade. It's just, it, it's a boggling commitment. I mean, it really has almost changed my uh, view a, l- a little bit. I still would love would have loved to have Harper on the Yankees. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But I mean, thirteen years is a long damn time, even for a guy who was Harper twenty six. I mean, baseball free agency is just confusing to me at this point. Like, Barry. two two twenty five year old, twenty six year old. Like, if you were ever going to give a decade or whatever type of contract to a guy, like this would basically be it. Like. No, I don't understand out. why they had to wait until February, right? Right before and right after spring training starts. Like, they got the contract. This is the contract that they both wanted. They both got it. And why did we have to wait until the offseason was over to make it happen? I just don't get it. Because it was part of the negotiation process. I mean, I, I think that that can't be understated. It's not like teams, you know, there's the, the whole talk of collusion in the league. And I don't buy into it. Um, for, for me personally, I, I honestly think it was more on the players than the teams. I, I think teams were more aggressive than we're led to believe. Um, you know, you hear stories about guys like, who was it? Um, uh, who's that uh, pitcher on the, who was on the, the Twins and the Pirates all those years? Left-hander. Liriano? Yeah, Francisco Liriano. I, he had a story where was, he had no offers for like four months and then like five teams offered him a minor league contract within like a week, which I, I know that, that, that seems weird. Um, but I honestly think with these two players, you know, the, the biggest marquee free agents we've had in this league since Alex Rodriguez, I have to believe that the delay was on their end between the player and the agent more than it was the teams not forking up the money. Well, to go, to go with what you said, Andrew, I think it's more along the lines of the team. The teams don't want to give out long deals they want to they don't want to give out a 10-year contract because of the commitment so they a lot of teams are probably going four years like the dodgers offer four years 168 million something along those lines and machado and harper didn't want uh <clears throat> the short-term deals they wanted the 10-year contracts and you, and you can't blame them you know because look you don't know in four years hey what if you have an off year that fourth year and then your next contract just isn't going to be that big just locking up that like harper is literally going to get be getting paid. I think it's thirty million, including the signing bonus, is thirty million in twenty nineteen, and then from twenty twenty to like twenty twenty eight, he's getting twenty six million every year. So I mean, he just knows that no matter what, he's just going to be at that twenty six million mark of a very healthy amount. And yeah, it's all about the security. But I mean, I like I do like the teams like the Dodgers going for those kind of like short term, way more, like only you know forty million plus a year more. Um, it, and it let's be honest, the Yankees probably did that too with, with Machado. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel like the Yankees offered Machado one, like that type of deal. But 
hey, the players, they want those 10-plus-U deals, and you can't blame them, but right, they, just, right. I they, mean, rare, they almost never work out. I mean, they just don't. It's crazy how fans bitched and moaned about free agency all winter, and then just the, the shock factor that came with the, the contracts to the three biggest free agents. Everyone said the Nationals paid way more than they should have for Patrick Corbin. There's you know, a big sticker shock with 13 years for Harper, and Machado got the highest average annual for a free agent in Major League Baseball history. And, and you look at, you know, especially Twitter fans of to the Twitter GMs, let's say, of, of our team, the Yankees, just saying, just break the bank, do whatever you can. But you realize after these contracts are actually signed, like, oh, shit, I don't want to come anywhere near that. And we're still living, you know, we're, we're dealing with the pain of the mistake with the Ellsbury contract. Like, I, I don't understand how there's such a disconnect between fans, like, not understanding what this organization is trying to build the three the three main guys that come to my mind are a-rod pujols and cabrera right three three of the best hitters of their generation like all those guys like i mean cabrera how many years does cabrera have left on that contract it's still like 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 five or six signed until 2025 and he's making 30 million yeah like he's you know that guy's on like running on fumes a-rod you want to look at pictures pictures felix hernandez as well yeah, yeah, I mean, A-Rod was running on, you know, A-Rod was not good in the last few years. Pujols, you know, we see, like, what he's doing. It's just these deals, they just almost never work out. And I get that Machado and Harper, I'm almost positive, were much younger than, you know, all three of those guys when they signed their deals. But, I mean, not by much. Honestly, the last one that I can remember, well, not maybe the last one, but the last one that I remember was uh, Derek Jeter. And it wasn't like a $300 million deal, but he signed a 10-year deal at age 25. It was $189 million, and he was really good basically every single year in that contract. And yeah, then he was all right. you, know, you had like the three-year. That wasn't even free agency. That was just an extension. Well, yeah, but he still signed a 10-year deal at the right, same right. age. So. Well, but that's, those deals tend to work way more. Right. I mean, you look at the contract that the Angels gave Mike Trout. He's, he should have been a free agent, I believe, this same year, right? Had he not extended all his years back and he won't be a free agent for two more years. I mean, that deal is, has played out and I, I don't see him falling off the table the next I two think, years. What was it, like six yeah, years, also, 150, something like that? Yeah, I mean, they did, I mean, I guess maybe the good example would be Nolan Arenado, who was going to make like $30 million or close to that in arbitration, right? Trout would have been that like three or four years ago. Right, and Arenado is basically a free agency type deal just one year ahead of free agency. Um, but I think this is changing you know, the way contracts are happening and, and the way teams are, are building their roster. Look how many players got extensions in the last two weeks. And I know this is a perfect segue to our next segment, but like, this is what you got to do. You get a guy who you still have control of. You don't have to fight the market and you give them a lot of money with the security of, Hey, this is a life changing amount of money. And we're going to give you many years to stay with us and you don't have to worry about battling all the bullshit that players had to go through this winter. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And yep. Just like Andrew said, we're going to segue into our next topic, which is Aaron Hicks getting extended seven years, 70 million. Um, honestly, I'm just going to say it right away. I, this is a great deal. I think on both sides, because like Andrew just said, I mean, a lot of guys are uncertain about their free agency future. They're seeing how long it's taken for some of the top guys to get paid. That maybe a guy like Hicks said, you know what? Let me just lock in ten million over the next seven years. Uh, what do you guys think about Hicksy re-upping with the Yanks? 
Um, I was a little surprised only by the number of years, but I mean, I wasn't surprised that it happened only because there were some rumblings and rumors. Um, but like, it's pretty clear that he wanted it. And I think it's a really good on them. You know, it's seven and I think eight possibly with an option. Um, but the, you know, you get a really good player, you know, all around, you know, he works the count, you know, he hit a bunch of home runs. He had a career high in home runs last year. He plays like super, super great center field defense. Like, and, um, you get him until he's, what is it? I think just before he turns 36. Yeah. I think Hicks is 20. In terms of him, like it's, you know, he's a good player. He's gotten better since he came to the Yankees, but it's probably not clear how much better he's going to get. So, you know, you might as well just lock in and get money, right? Hicks is 29 for clarification, but yeah. It's... Just turned 29 in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, the whole thing is like the, um, <clears throat> I'm with G, like the the length of it really surprised me. I didn't think they didn't, that they would extend him for that long. I thought it'd be like a three or four year extension. But the fact that they managed to get him at ten million um, per year is fantastic because Hicks, like Boone said, is really, really underrated. Where he's he's pretty close to being essentially a five tool player because he he's fantastic defensively. He's got power. He can run. Um, his average was a, like I don't know, it was like about two fifty this year, which isn't you know it isn't great, but his on-base percentage was pretty close to, I don't know, like 370 or 380, so he makes up for that. Yeah, for for me, the the fact that they kept the average annual value at the $10 million makes the, the seven years super, super palatable. I mean, we have no idea what inflation is going to look like three, four years down the road, let alone five or six or seven. Um, you look at, you know, we're, we're talking about Harper and Machado deals. If Bryce Harper falls off, in five or six years, and the Phillies are still tied to him for seven more years at what twenty six million for a couple years, and then twenty two mm-hmm. on the back end. Like that's what we're dealing with with Ellsbury right now. For the Yankees, by the way, Hicks has no trade protections. They can trade him at any time. If Hicks falls off in three or four years, and we're stuck with that deal for three more years at ten million a pop, like that's that's, that's just you just throw him, you just throw him on the bench. You know that's a serviceable contract still. And um, I remember seeing just a few days before that happened and how they were talking about um, there was an article saying like maybe the AJ Pollock deal would be like a basic outline or something to go off of. And then, I mean, he got more money, he got more years, so he didn't get quite the average annual value. But like, I think if you want to compare it to someone already on the roster, since we're going to beat him to death over the course of the season anyway, Ellsbury, like he's, making half of what Ellsbury made and he's a better all around player. So quick question. Do you, does Jacoby Ellsbury step on the field for the Yankees this year? I'm going to say yes, but I think I said this a while ago. I'm going to say he does play this year, but I'm going to, but I'm going to predict he's not on the roster by the end of the year. Since yeah, I can... I'm agree with that. I'm just going to say no. I, I'm, Really? I haven't, I, dude. I haven't seen Jacoby Ellsbury in like two years. Like I, you know, like none, none of us have. Not even. I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> not even on the field. Like not in the dugout. Like I haven't seen him in spring training. Like he's just. 
I mean, well, I, I can't put it may not be a lot. Who knows? Can't put it at zero. So put the over under at what one? Like point, yeah, I'd put it at point five. Point five, right? I mean, he's just like he's like nothing now, right? I mean, they have. Like they're moving on. They oh, he's some, he's something. He's a big ass contract on the Yankees books that they're still paying. Right. And just every now and then, every couple of weeks, his contract is his check cashes, and they're like, "Dude, just make something else up so I don't have to bring you back." Like, <laughs> and here's the thing with him though is if they can somehow get through this year, I mean, best case scenario, and again, it's not going to happen, but we have to just say it. Best case scenario. He gets healthy and he contributes to the team this year. Obviously, that benefits all parties. Let's assume he's never going to be a competent player again or even be able to play again. If they can get through the year and recoup some of the money, if not most of the money, via insurance, I think cutting him with one year left, so it would be $21 million and change plus the $5 million buyout on the net. I think they can eat $26 million as opposed to right now they'd have to eat $47 million. That's a lot. That's, that's more money than the Blue Jays are eating for Tulowitzki if they were to cut him today. How much did how much did they eat when they cut a rod? It was about twenty million. Year. Yeah, the, the way his contract was structured is that the last year or two it severely dropped off. At the peak, I think that deal had like three or four years that he was making thirty three million. Yeah, and then so so the year that they bought out the end wasn't as much for average annual value luxury tax purposes. It was still twenty seven and a half, but. Yeah. Well, for A-Rod, didn't they basically – they made him shut it down like in the middle of the year. They made him quote-unquote retire, and then they just paid him to do, you know, scouting and miscellaneous things with the organization through the yeah. end of the contract. Right, yeah. and that's why he was in spring training last year. He was also yeah. still under contract for 2017 too. Yeah, I mean, Ellsbury – I mean, in terms of maybe best-case scenarios, right, like he gets healthy and then – Maybe I don't know. Some sucker takes him off this at the trade deadline. Like that's probably the soonest you could possibly move him if he were to be moved, right? Like, man. imagine going into the trade deadline thinking you're going to get someone to help your team, and you get. You look for it's like I right, cash. We're looking for a game changer, a really solid out for. How but is no Jacoby one's going to eat the deal. Elsberry, so. The Yankees would have to foot yeah. at least ten no, million of that per year. It's they honestly would have to eat like m- the majority of the deal and not have to get anything. Unless really he surprises us and comes back in May and he's healthy and he's yeah. a competent player. Someone call up the Pirates. They've done contracts like that in the Pirates before. Hmm. You know. Yeah, but they also tag tacked on a good uh, prospect. Yeah. You know, Jacoby Ellsbury. Screw. Him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Aaron Hicks. Yeah, no, but I'm glad they got Hicksy locked up. Um, uh, would you guys say Hicks is a top? Like, wh- where is he in terms of like best center fielders in the league? He's top five, right? He's definitely top five. Yeah, I mean, it's just pretty. You, you, it really is almost weird when you think about it, but then when you look at the numbers, it's almost obvious that yeah, he's he's definitely top five. I think by WAR he was third in all of baseball last year, behind only Trout and Lorenzo Trout. Kane. Kane, yeah, he was. Behind. And if and something, I think it was over like the last year and a half or two years, or it might have even just been last year if I if I missed saw the stat, but I think he was ranked twelfth overall among all outfielders in WAR, which is a crazy number when you consider how many good right fielders there are in the league, like Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge. The the only thing that's like maybe a slight concern with Hicks is the fact that he's only played over a hundred games in a season twice. You know he's had some injury issues. He always seems like always seems like he never gets like a major injury, but he'll always get a lot of you know minor injuries get nicked up. But 
I mean, I, I'm okay with that, though. We have too many outfielders as it is. If he, if they have to, they have the depth for that. If if yeah. Hicks gets injured, they can still they can still work from with no, right. And and that's true. the same thing with with like Tulowitzki. Like if he if he falls off because of injury, they they have extra bench players at those positions to cover. They don't. We don't yeah. have to deal with a Shane Robinson situation again. This yeah, time. I think oh. the whole. I think the Shane Robinson situation is what forced Cashman to get as much depth as he did because he saw the Yankees were. You know, running Shane Robinson out there, and he was hitting 150, and there really wasn't... He looked like he should be in Williamsport. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't much they could do about it, because they didn't have Right, well, because they traded away so many guys. They had had traded away Dustin Fowler the year before to get Sonny Gray. They had just traded away Billy McKinney to get Jerry Happ. They didn't have any other outfielders on the roster, because Clint was was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they ended up getting McCutcheon, because they just couldn't deal with Shane Robinson anymore. (laughs) McCutcheon, you know, McCutcheon, uh, also a guy who's on the Phillies this year, along with D Rob. Um, you know, you just triggered so many people on Twitter by mentioning <laughs> D Rob. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Um, let's talk about some spring training baseball, huh, boys? Uh, Yankees have played five games so far. Um, the, I think the biggest storyline of spring has got to be the Voight versus Bird first base race, right? I mean, Boone came out and said pretty much that you know one of them is most likely going to start the year in Triple A. You know, whether it be Voight and Bird. And, I mean, you got to consider Voight to be the front runner at this point. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that. But, um, you know, Boone commenting that uh, Bird is the better defender, has the lead defense. Um, what do you what do you guys think of this Bird versus Voight race? Uh, Bert, both guys have been hitting very well so far this spring. But, I mean, you know, Greg Bird is like a spring, spring training Hall of Famer. So, I don't know. <laughs> so the, whole, the whole defense thing, I don't buy into that at all because I looked I looked it up and like judging by I think it was defensive runs saved, Bird and Voigt are both in negatives. Voigt's just a little bit lower than Bird is. So they're both not great. Voigt's just a little bit worse than Bird. So either way, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Um so I think if you look into that, Voigt definitely would have the um upper hand. And I think he should be the one to get the job. As long as you know he doesn't flame out and go over twenty the rest of the spring, but I also wouldn't be one hundred percent surprised if Bird got the job, just because for some reason the Yankees organization has so much faith in him. Even though mm-hmm. the past two years he really, during the regular season at least, he's he really has done nothing. I mean, dude, so does so does like Twitter though. So do people in our blog. I keep seeing people say like, "Oh, you know, Greg Bird." Like people just forgetting about Greg Bird. Like, how could we just count him out? I'm like, look, he hit like 190 last year. Like, he was he had a negative WAR. He was awful. He was he was almost unplay. He was pretty much unplayable. I and mean, even I, if you you look past the stats, like just watching him play, he looked overmatched yeah. every single game. Yeah, I was about to say it's you know like a lot of times you you know you look in the box score. And it's not maybe it's not the box score looks a lot worse than the play on the field. Like you'll see improvements on the field, like at the plate that yeah. you can't see in the box or the statue. But yeah, with Bird last year, it was I mean, it, it looked brutal. like a guy. It looked like the guy couldn't even hit a fastball above like yeah. six. You know, it, it was just so bad. There was one game when the Yankees were in um, Miami. And I remember Bert, some Marlins pitcher was throwing like 90, 91 mile an hour fastballs and Bird was swinging through them. Yeah. And they were, they were not difficult. They were not like deceiving fastballs. They were just right down the middle and Bird was swinging right through them. 
And if you're a major league player, you can't miss a 90-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. For Bird, um, I think – I mean – I think Voigt probably has the inside track just because he was so awesome when he came, you know, he came up last year and, um, and he provided a huge boost of energy. And, but I think, I mean, bird is like one of those weird players who that everyone is always just going to be like, Oh, don't forget about this guy. Right. Like, even though it's been literally since 2017, since he was like an everyday useful player, you know, with all the injuries and whatnot, like, but I think the Yankees, maybe low-key, like, want him to be a viable option because they don't have much lefty power. So if he comes – he came into spring training, I think most of us agreed he looked a little bit bigger, he looks a little bit stronger. Like, I think they just would love for him to be that option finally. And it's really hard to correct stuff like that when you're having a bad season. It's really hard to, like, turn your, you know, turn your bad season around. But, I mean – if he finally had an off season where he wasn't worried about rehabbing or, you know, whatever being Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going fishing and hanging out with his hairless cat. Yeah, um, that cat's weird as hell, man. Greg Bird's weird as hell. Yeah, like, I think, he's a I weird think the Yankees would love for him to be that option finally. So I think maybe that gives him, I'm not, like, I'm with Alex. I'm not going to put much stock in the defense because it's kind of like a wash. Because neither of them are exactly like a Mark Teixeira, Gold Glover, but I think him being a lefty gives him somewhat of a boost in the race, even if Voigt's still the front runner. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. A good, that's a good point, G. We we do the Yankees do need lefties. Go on, Andrew. Man, man, you touched on um, exactly kind of what I was going to say. The Yankees are best off if Bird is the the everyday first baseman. They need another lefty bat to balance up the lineup. I think he has a higher defensive ceiling than Voight, although Voight did have a really interesting quote this week that he he came in, like, his goal, he said, was to win a gold glove. He didn't want to hit 40 home runs. He didn't want to be a huge power threat in the lineup. He wanted to win a gold glove. So that tells me he worked on his defense, and that's a good sign as well. Um, but I do think the Yankees are best suited. Should Greg Bird get the job and, you know, be a productive player? I I wrote my in my breakout candidates piece earlier this year that I'm not going to fall into the trap again, though, because I picked him last year. I had high hopes. Real quick, Andrew, dude, what was the prop bet you said last year at the beginning of the year between Greg Bird and Gary Sanchez? Uh, it, was, it, was that, it was that going into the season, I thought Greg Bird was going to out-homer Gary Sanchez. And even though it was close, just because they both missed so much time, <laughs> That was one of the most disastrous things that I said uh, I mean, on this you, podcast. I mean, I would, if you, I if you had a if you had a, a rank, you know, worst races of all time, the Greg Bird versus Gary Sanchez home run race of 2018 is right up there. I would yeah. just like to add to that Not that our very own uh, co-host Nick uh, replied to Andrew's tweet saying that Sanchez was going to hit 40 home runs, and Andrew replied that Bird was still going to out homer him. And neither of them broke 20. <laughs> yeah. or, or Gary 21, right? Or something like that. Or 18, 18. I don't know. Gary yeah. only had 18. <clears throat> yeah, the final score of that one was 18 to 11, Gary. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's so – if you if you had told us – It's like a Virginia uh, Like March game. 1st of last year. <laughs> <laughs> imagine telling us at the beginning of the year that those two were going to combine for under 30 home runs and, and combine to hit like 180. You know, I was going to say oh. that Bird edged him out in batting average, a buck nine to one eighty six. So 
a barn burner for sure. Yeah, not the best year for Gary Hustle Sanchez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that one game where uh, he lost the game by uh, not running, I was literally screaming at my TV. That I was about to say that was like the boiling point because it was yeah. like, all right, you know, you've been bad all year, whatever. Nice at bro. that point, I was like, all right, all right, bro, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> But he did go on, on the DL. We got to call it the IL now, but it was then he was in the DL. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> he really did go on the DL. Right that, was the equivalent, that. Yeah. that was the equivalent of a corner getting burned on a route and then just him holding his knee afterwards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, my, my knee hurt. Um, I think he pulled him into the clubhouse and I'm like, dude, something's – what like what I, hurt? All right, something's you're on the DL with a man. trying to get injury. you off the hook here, like – we think you just had a stroke out there, Gary. So uh, you go. Right. The knives were out that night. If he if, if he came through that, I mean, oh, whoa, gee, hard to imagine a much a, a, something that the fan base could get more mad about for Gary yeah. Sanchez. Uh, uh, I mean, I uh, think they would have gotten more mad if more mad if Bird hadn't ran it out. Honestly, I mean, at that point in the season, did you really have expectations for Greg Bird? Like, oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God no! Um, speaking of expectations, um, how about Troy Tulowitzki putting up a couple homers this week? How, how, dude, that first home run where it was against his old team, the Blue Jays, he hits the home run. He's like staring into the dugout <laughs> of the Blue Jays. It's just—I mean, a bit of a hardo move, but I kind of love it. You, know? uh, you like, gotta, re- you gotta respect that. Yeah, honestly. I mean, everyone, all these other guys are probably just chilling, you know, it's spring. And then, like, Tulo's just, like, staring a hole through the rock. Screaming. Just like, oh, Jesus, this guy's pissed. It, right. It, it, we didn't, no we one didn't trade you, bro. Kick them out to the curb. Tulo's His old like, manager wasn't there. Half the roster yeah, that was there yeah, last year yeah. isn't Tulo's there anymore. Like, Tulo's just looking at us like, you guys traded me. Like, we didn't do shit, man. <laughs> everyone in the, everyone in the Jays' dugouts looking at him like, yeah, we don't know who you are. <laughs> See, I feel for the guy, though, just because, you know, the Jays, like he said, they basically told him he couldn't play anymore. And then he worked all the way back. And then to just Homer in his, you know, in the second pitch he sees against the Jays, it's, it's, you got to get fired up about that. Yeah, I think that's the biggest chip on his shoulder is that the $38 million wasn't, you know, we need to create flexibility with our finances because you don't, because you're paying him anyway. It was an indictment on his ability to play. As in, yeah, we have to pay you no matter what. Rather than have you sit on the bench or try and compete for the starting shortstop, we w- position we want you gone. Get the hell out of this clubhouse. Yeah, it was essentially the Jays saying, "Yeah, you. We don't think you can play anymore. You are not good enough to play on this rebuilding team. Please leave." Exactly. That fire is really good, though. Like, even if it's just like, oh, it's the first few games of spring training. Like, he didn't play last year and. You know, it's good that even though he got paid, you know, he's getting his money that he still has the fire to come back and do it. Like I saw an article in The Athletic today that was it, something to the effect of like, you know, the Blue Jays thought that if they kept him around, he'd be a distraction because of, you know, how much money he's making and, you know, how little you probably expect from him at this point. And now if he comes back with the Yankees and is great, then he's still a distraction for them because they look foolish having gotten rid of him like – yeah, you know, I think the Blue Jays are going to look foolish no matter what happens to it. <laughs> well, they're keeping Vlad Jr. down 
yeah, to uh, I was just about manipulate that was, his that's service. What I was just about to service. Um, yeah, and they literally said that they're going that that's why they're keeping him down. Yeah, right? What, they weren't see, even like, trying to hide I, it. I was about to say like I didn't have a problem with them doing that, but like them saying it was just like, look, guys, like people have done this before, but no one said you, like no one said it. You can't just flat out say like that. The Cubs did with yeah. Bryant. They were just like, yeah, yeah we don't Bryant, know. Bro. And then right when it, like the end of the month, he was up there. Like that. The that's Cubs how did it with it, Bryant. Yeah. The Yankees kind of did it with Glaber and Andujar. And Brandon Drury too, <laughs> before uh, we traded him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't even. He know really, he really just brought up Brandon Drury on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, did Brandon Drury play for the Yankees? <laughs> Isn't that guy like a soccer player or something? I don't even know who that guy is. Um, Guerrero Jr. Just as a, a sidebar, batted 400 in Double A, got promoted to Triple A, quote unquote, dropped off to 330, and they're still not going to bring him up. Nope. No, he's been ready yeah. to to make his major league debut since like August of last year. He came yeah, out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he began, I mean, Vlad Flat- Guerrero is his dad. He that is that's not wrong. And that, you see, Fernando Tatis right. Jr. just no better person to learn to swing at pitches in the left-handers batter's box from. Got a lot of a lot of great young baseball players out there. Um, but speaking of one, Clint Frazier probably going to start the year in AAA. Thoughts? I'm not surprised um, just because of the amount of outfielders the Yankees have. But, dude, his tweets told me that he was going to be the starting <laughs> left field. <laughs> so, well, he also – he really uh, – in spring training, he hasn't looked that great. He – I don't know what his stats are exactly, but I know the other good. day – Yeah, he, he struck out a lot. Um, and, like, I don't think that's really that telling, but I – I think the possibility, like going into spring training, of him starting in AAA was way higher than him uh, breaking with the club. Well, that doesn't mean it's too cold, right? He was hurt last year and yeah. he needs reps. So he, exactly. he shouldn't come up. He shouldn't be on the big league roster playing two or three times a week. He needs to go Unless into AAA and play every mind in spring training. Right. right, right. He needs to be playing every day. So put him in AAA to start the year. And the Yankees really need to know for the last time what they have in Tyler Wade. Because again, yeah. he's killing it in spring training, which he does. But if he if he's a total dud again, should he make that twenty fifth man spot on yeah. the roster? Then I think they finally know that this is it. He's a triple A player, and we can't put any more eggs in that basket. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Clint Fraser so far, uh, three hits and nine at bats and three strikeouts. So it's not going well. But like, I mean, that's not one, terrible, but it's not good enough to actually sorry no, it's, it. one, it's one hit in nine at bats oh well, <laughs> okay, now that you say that g, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, like, g. Nine's pretty good <laughs> no 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 I, I botched it sorry um the well since we were all fired up about all the stuff he was posting on social media like you know he's gonna win the job this and that he hit a bunch of home runs in batting practice which i mean it seems ridiculous to the most that's the most important thing in baseball <laughs> practice. everyone knows like, that I mean, who's like Brett Gardner lost the starting left field job. So, like, are we just going to go into the season assuming that he's going to be the starter again, or is there someone else that's going to come through and, and stake a claim? If I had to make a guess, I would say Gardner's probably the opening day left fielder. Yeah, agreed. Just because I, I, could, easily since, see, I could easily see Gardner losing that job, though. Like, oh, he, you know. I could easily see him losing the job. But I think to start the season, especially since. They're, the Yankees are facing the Orioles on opening day, and I don't think the Orioles have any left-handed starters. They might not have any starters. That is very true. Well, they have Alex Cobb, who had a six ERA last year. <laughs> and making $15 million to do it. Yeah, exactly. 
hate to but see it. I think that and Gardner will, pro- Gardner will probably be the opening day left fielder. I would not be surprised if at some point soon, like May, they call Clint up to see what they have in him, especially if someone like Wade proves once again that he's a triple-A player and hits you know 150 in the first month of the season. Or, I mean, I, I have to say it just because Uh-oh. <laughs> Ellsbury will be back in camp. He won't start the season on the, on the roster, but he will be competing. Yeah. And he will yeah. at least be starting yeah, to work out in camp. like two weeks. <laughs> so there's an outside chance I mean, that... But you can't count on him, really. Like, you know, Clint kept having those, you know, concussion issues. Like, at some point, you just write him off being like, whatever, he'll be healthy when he's healthy. Like, Ellsbury especially, you can't really be like, oh, he's showing up to camp this day, and then we're all good. Like, so No, but I think, I think those are the only immediate threats to Gardner's position, is what we're saying, is that... Yeah, is probably going to have a stranglehold on left field just because he's going to he's going to have the, he's going to have the left field job by default essentially. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, unless there's someone else in AAA, I don't remember the roster offhand. But like, if Clint goes down and like, you know, is ripping the ball early in the season, like come May, then you know, I think he's got a good shot to to get a chance. But like, like you guys said, there's really no one else. So for all I mean, enough, what, for Ryan McBroom. <laughs> Has Tyler Wade played the outfield? Like, yeah, he played left right? field like yesterday. Few <laughs> times. <laughs> no, he he's played. I would say probably 50, 60 games in AAA in the outfield. Yeah, he, he plays the outfield in AAA a lot. Yeah. Especially cause when they used to have Avellino and they needed to rotate everyone in yeah. before they traded him for McCutcheon. So I don't know. he has experience there. He's um, out of options, though, right? That's the point that we're. It's not. It's not Neil Walker in right field. Yeah, like he's one of those guys that I feel like we've seen mostly enough of, unless it's whatever his fourth or fifth time around where he magically just starts being good. But I just don't buy it. Um, you know, speaking of other young Yankees, uh, Chance Adams, not good at baseball. Uh, he threw a third of an inning on Wednesday, gave up four hits, five runs, and a walk. Yeah, not, not not ideal. Not what you want. Yeah, that's that's not great. At one point, he was our number three prospect. Um, I don't think he's our number thirty prospect at this point. No, he's in the twenties. Oh, uh, you know, well, he's he's not thirty, so that's that was my point there, Andrew. <laughs> oh man, um, Jay Half also you find yourself funny, it. don't you? I do, I do. Um, <laughs> Jay Half also didn't pitch well today on Thursday. Um, so is that move already a bad move now that Jay Happ had his first start bringing in pitch well? Yes, I think the Yankees are not going to win the World Series now because solely because of Happ. Yeah, cancel the season. Um, <laughs> well, as we're wrapping up here, we just wanted to tell you guys a little bit about the blog. We're going to be doing our uh, positional previews coming up. Uh, Andrew and G, you guys want to tell us about that since you guys are writing two of them? Yeah, I, I guess I'll start. Uh, essentially, in the past, we, we've we kind of gone through player by player, and, and it's admittedly a little bit watered down. So so we kind of restructured how we're going to do it this year. Um, we're we're going to have them all come out next week in, in order. And by the time we we're on the pod next week, we can touch on most of them. I, I think the last one's probably going to be the coaching staff, so... Probably Ooh, not as much no. of a priority of a priority anyway. But we're gonna just do starting 
pitchers, starting um, starting nine, and then uh, bench, and then Matt. There's one other one. I think it's like Triple A and outside well, candidates to make the roster. Have, I believe what we have was infield plus catcher, outfield starters, relievers, and then coaches. Whatever that's you know. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink a lot before the coaches episode. <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered Aaron Boone. <laughs> Like, listen here, Booney. Luigi's thoughts on Aaron Boone, unfiltered. Nah, they'll kick us off. Um, But, yeah, you know, a lot of good stuff coming to the blog. Um, Like I said at the beginning of the show, March upon us. I'm I'm so excited for Yankees baseball. Oh, man. It's going to be a good season, guys. Uh, Bryce Harper, not a Yankee. But Aaron Hicks is a Yankee. I think really a long at the end, time at the at the end of the day, locking guys up like Hicks. Hopefully, they lock up Dellen. They give Dellen a nice little contract in the next week or so. Yeah. Shamelessly plug Alex's piece because DD contract extension might be coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Alex wrote, wrote it. It just went up this week. Yeah, well, Alex, Alex, you want to talk about that? Um. Yeah. So I wrote. Um, Basically a prediction, like if the Yankees do extend Didi, I predicted they would extend him for five years, $75 million, judging off of two other extensions, which were Brandon Crawford and Gene Segura. Oh, God. Um, the, no, those are good comps. The no, Giants extended good. Crawford into, uh, after the 2015 season for six years, $75 million, and his stats – that season were actually very close to what Didi did. He was coming off a gold uh, glove, though, right? Uh, yeah. He's a great yeah, defender. He, he, his, def- his defense was much better that year than Didi's was, and his mm-hmm. offense was about the same. Didi's a better, then, better hitter than Brandon Crawford mm-hmm. is. Yes, he is. Crawford and was then, actually – that was the year the Giants lost to the Mets in the wildcard game, right? So it was right yeah, after that? Yeah, he that may have right. actually been one of their better hitters down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was up there. And then Segura got extended by the Mariners about like two months into the season after they acquired him for 2017 for five years, 70 million. And he was pretty close to his offenses was pretty close to what Didi has. Didn't have as much power um, the season before at the Diamondbacks, but his defense was about it was a little worse than Didi's. So I used those and just basically predicted 575 for Didi. Yeah, no. Obviously, the DD situation is a bit complicated with his injury, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they actually just came out. I think it was Cashman said like their optimistic timetable was June, and that they he didn't they didn't think he was going to meet that timetable. So yeah, yeah. I also saw a report saying that um, in the negotiations for DD's extension, they weren't really buying, like they weren't really using his injury against him. They weren't really, like, factoring that in as much. That's good. No, what's funny, though, is they, they said um, he's probably going to be back June or July, and Didi said, no, I'll be back in April. And they're like, no, you won't. <laughs> like, he, he, he was that confident in himself. He's like, yeah, I'll be back by the second week of the season. Uh, Didi is just, just so great. Like, come on, yeah. man. Yeah, no, they, but they, uh, need, they need to resign him. Yeah, locking guys up like Didi, like Hicks, like Dallin. D- those, Didi, those are important. Didi and Hicks, especially, are just so much fun to the team mm-hmm. because they like the way they play. It's just so it's enjoyable to watch. Right, and like Didi and Hicks are two types of guys where it's like 
if all goes right with Glaber and Andujar and Judge, like those are two guys that if they're at like the bottom of your lineup, I mean that that's just hell. Yeah, like, yeah and they always hell. say you build your team up the middle, right? So the Yankees mm-hmm. are set with Sanchez, assuming he can turn around this year, and then you have shortstop and center field. Those are two vital positions that mm-hmm. across the league are pretty thin too. So to have yeah. those guys in house producing. And if you have long-term security on them, that's a really good feeling. Yeah, like we, you know, we talked about how Hicks is a top five center fielder. I mean, that just kind of shows, like, you know, Hicks is a really good player, but it's just surprising that he's a top five center fielder. It just shows you, how, like, you know, there's a, having a great center fielder is, is kind of like a luxury. Most if luxury Hicks habit. hit free agency next year, he was going to be the best available center fielder on the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As of right now, it's Juan Lagares. <sighs> that's the drop-off. It was Aaron Hicks yeah. last year, and now, assuming – no other buyouts or whatnot. Like Juan Lagares is the top available center fielder last year, so the Yankees really had no choice but to bring him back. Juan Lagares about to get like twelve years, two hundred eighty million. Yep. <laughs> and while we're on contract extensions, I remember seeing a thing, mostly just an idea, really. Someone floated about Dellen since he's going to be a free agent. Like, why not? Like something like the Ottavino contract. For Dylan, yeah. Yeah, that was me. Thought, yeah. That was Andrew. <laughs> that, yeah. Nice job. <laughs> oh man, so that's our show. Um, we'll probably be, try to be back maybe next Monday, but we'll definitely record again next Thursday. Um, yeah, it's spring. It's the Yankees. It's the Bronx Bomber Ballot Pod. It's Luigi, and we out. <laughs>